Once upon a time, Henry Ford said, working together is success. What does that look like in oil and gas? Today, we talk with the man behind the open subsurface data universe. An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of Nutanix or any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Everybody, welcome back to another exhilarating episode of the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something called the Open Subsurface Data Universe, otherwise known as OSDU. I think people are beginning to learn about this, but we're going to learn. We're going to go right to the source today and learn uh, learn about it from the people who are working on it directly. Before I get to the guests, I want to remind everybody to please leave us some reviews. Reviews are on your app, on your podcast platform. It's the only way that we really know if you like what we're doing. So it's okay if you want to leave a bad review, that's fine. But please include some constructive feedback that says what you think we should be doing differently or what you don't like. And that's how we get better at what we do. Also want to thank our sponsor, Cognite. We'll say a little bit more about them toward the end, but really appreciate them being here to pay the bills. So without any further commentary, which I know I'm sometimes prone to, but today let's just get straight to our guests. I have two people on the line today. We're not in the same place. We're not even in the same geographic regions. So audience, you're going to have to bear with us while we try to have a natural, free-flowing conversation when we can't really see each other. But I have with us today Johan Krebers, who probably doesn't need an introduction because he's been very active now for some time out there in the industry advocating openness and change and how we all work together. And then I also have Darius Piotrowski, who is leading some cognitive solution development at IBM. I'm going to let you guys first just tell a little bit about yourselves and what you're doing, just just very quickly so everybody understands who you are and what you're up to. Johan, you want to lead off on that? Okay. Johan Krebers, working out of the Netherlands today. The rainy Netherlands, I'm the Hague in the Netherlands, and my role in Shell is two. One is being the IT CTO for Shell. Secondly, being part of the Digital Center of Excellence, looking after digital immersed technologies for Shell globally. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Darius. Darius Piotrowski. I am in snowy Calgary today, so we indeed are not only in different geographical locations, but having very different weather. And I'm responsible for industry solutions at IBM. And in this capacity, I'm executive sponsor of IBM's OSDU initiative, uh, creating an instance for industry data platform. And in my broader capacity, I focus on oil and gas and other industrial sectors to bring solutions primarily focused on artificial intelligence to advanced analytics. And hybrid cloud. That's it. That's that's all you do. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, I have to replay this episode just to get my head around all what that was that you said. I also have to comment that Darius, you have one of the most fun last names to say that I think I've had on the show so far. Piotrowski. I feel like I, I feel like we should, like we should be like I should say that with some gusto in my voice while we're like we're sitting around drinking vodka and it's just starting to get interesting. <laughs> and the cold weather where I am would allow us to have this vodka well frozen, which is how it should <laughs> that's be. That's right. That's right. I would also be well 
myself frozen being from Texas. <laughs> so, okay, let's go. Let's get to our discussion. And I want to start a little bit with a little more commentary on the OSDU. Johan, I heard somebody recently refer to you as the godfather of OSDU. So maybe give us a quick, I know that you were there at the center of it, kind of getting it started in the industry about two years ago. So just for the folks who don't know about it, just a quick little backstory on like, what is it? Why did you start it? And kind of how did you get it to where it is today? Okay. Yeah, very good. We started with actually called SDU, the Service Data University in Shell, in early 2018. This was about two and a half years ago. And why did we start that in, in, in Shell at the time? We said, hey, in, a, in our subservice business, we have lots and lots of data, but all stored in, in silos, all in isolation, with very limited service capabilities, with no lineage. So if you want to know, if you're in, in let's say, in a well space, you want to know how did you came, how did you get there, from the exploration, exploration space is, is impossible. So that's what our environment and people wasted a lot of time to try to find the right data. Right. And we said, okay, how can we go about this? So we said, okay, we worked, we started working with on a so-called data platform, the SDU data platform. But also Shell at the same time said in early first half of 2018, well, we Shell will never be successful on our own. We better make this an industry solution. So we went to about five or six other IOCs like Equinor, like Total, Chevron, you name them, say, hey, do you guys want to join and make this an industry initiative? And they all jumped at it and said, yes, we want to do that. And therefore, in September 2018, we start under the open group umbrella because we need to work together with 10 companies, the OSU, as you just referred to. And we all, we all have the same problem. We all have the problem I just highlighted, that we have data in silos, data highly integrated with applications. So it is very is very very proprietary it's very hard for new companies to come into this world because they can't get into that data layer so what we said with osdu we're really going to separate the data from the applications but the data comes in a separate data platform managed by the osdu form the standards the data definitions are being set for the osdu form so we don't compete there we work together there the application on top of course that's where people can compete so the application development, but by opening it up via a clear API layer, you make it very, very much more simpler for companies, small companies, large companies, to access from their own applications that common data in that OSU data platform. So that was in September 2018 with 10 members. And we also always said, we don't here, we are not here for standards. We're here for, for real product, we have a real solution to market. Because if you just go for standards, you won't make speed in deployment. So that from day one, we're not going to say, well, this is standard. No, it's a solution. And so we were lucky to work together fairly early with companies like, like IBM and others to come to that, to, to that solution. And also over time, we grew from the 10 members in September 2018 to almost 170 members today in October 2020. And those members are vitally important. And and of course, we started in the subservice and well space. If we grow into another space, I hope to come back to that later. But it gives a little bit from where we're coming from, why we did this, to where we are today. Got it. Very good. Thank you. I think I want to pause on just a couple of things that you said in there. One is, I was already ready with the question that said, 
you know, about standards, which you already commented on, which is true because we have no shortage of standards for data in this industry that we have no shortage of standards that have never been implemented by very many people. So, so that's a difference, but in terms of it being a solution, and this is something that I have heard, I think this would be a good time to maybe clarify because in my circles of people, I've heard people talk about OSDU and sometimes they're not always clear what is it really in terms of a solution? Is it is it something that I get and I deploy in my environment? Is it something that's running in some other environment and I subscribe to it? Is it just a reference architecture that I use to then implement somewhere? Like what, like like in concrete terms, if I were going to go use it tomorrow, what am I really using? What's in concrete terms with this? If you're an operator, small or large operator, and you say, hey, I want to make use of OSDU. You go to one of your cloud providers. It's very sure that IBM is your cloud provider. You go to the IBM account manager. The IBM commerce will go to the IBM OSDU team and say, please install and configure you know, on, my, on my IBM account the latest release, let's say release three of OSDU. So you get real software, a real solution. What you're going to get is a data platform. Of course, running in this case an IBM environment, but you get the data platform with the data standards, get the API layer, get instructions on how to load the data, and around the code, and of course, full full protection, full security model. So you get something you can immediately start using for loading data and start running application on top of that. So it's not a reference implementation, it's a real implementation. And it's, I was really talking about release three, because release three is the first release coming out in development later this year, in production Q1 next year, is really meant for operators to start running as an operational environment. You did refer to release one and release two. Release one came out in December, just two days before Christmas last year, and it was all, all about practice data loading. And then release two, which came out in May of this year, was really about, okay, starting development, development of your applications. So release three is the first fully production release we're bringing to the market with the help of all the people like IBM um, bringing to the market. You say, where can you run it? Of course, you can run it in a public cloud environment. I gave the example of IBM. If you say you want to, you want to run it in an on-premise environment, then that will also be done. If you have countries around the world, you're not allowed to export the data out of the country, and therefore you have to run it in your data center. But IBM can also offer you solutions to run it in your own data center anywhere in the world. So it's it's very important, of course, if we develop frameworks for the public cloud environment, but you can run it in an on-premise environment if there are no cloud services available in that environment. The real thing is you can log on to that system. You can start loading your data in that environment. But you also, with R3, you also are delivering operation capabilities like data loading services. How can you, how help you do your data loading? Like how to integrate with some of your reporting tooling, testing tooling. Etc. 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 See, these are so it's not just the code base. There's also around it a number of services to help you uh, to help you start use that environment. It's also important to realize that Bit R3 becomes an open source environment. So we, right. we make, and it's important because after R3, the only way we're going to get upgrades to this environment is by what we call a shared backlog, where all the parties chip in and say, "Okay, I need this capability." I need that capability, I need that capability, and that's the way you're going to grow this capability over time. So it will, right. not, be, it will not be a release four coming out all of a sudden, because now it's driven by an open source development. Let me stop over here. 
I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you gave me well, so that's a whole bunch more. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole bunch more really interesting things we could talk about. So a couple things. One is I think it's remarkable that you have. So that does answer the question about what is it because so it, this is not just another sort of published specification for how to go do something, but it's a real it's a real thing that you can. And I think it. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking. So apart from the particular mission that you have with this, this might be one of the first times I can think of in the industry that anybody in this industry, that anybody has done something like this, like a real solution that is usable and deployable and operable in different ways. You mentioned the on-premise, which I was going to say is very important still to our friends in the Middle East, where they have some different constraints and can't do things in the cloud. So the fact that this is a real product that is, as you said, open source, accessible, it's collaborative. I can't actually, I can think of lots of collaborations that involve people writing things down on paper, but I can't think of much in the way like this. So I think you're, I think you're breaking new ground in a couple different ways here. It's very important that from day one, we said, and I'm very eminent on that, we must come up with a solution, otherwise it just won't fly. And of course, it's not something we do on your own, but that's where you need the help of IBM and other players out there to make that happen. Because it's, that's why I'll come back, you said in, in the introduction, I talk a lot about ecosystem. It is so bloody important, that ecosystem. Where those understanding yeah. comes together. And if you see, because all the work we're talking about is being done by those people. It's people who do it in the extra time. We've got IBM people, lots of other people involved. Do that work. It's not done by miracles. So by miracle, we do this, or by miracle, do this. No. <laughs> right. Real humans. Darius, you were going to, you had a comment on the sort of, this is a first, right? I mean, you're, you're at IBM. You see a lot of things. So you, you maybe you see things more than I do, but it's, it sounds like a first to me. Indeed. And that's why I wanted to jump in to indeed echo those comments that this is a very unique initiative. And that's why we jumped in without hesitation to be a part of it. It's a phenomenal combination of operators, the industry participants who do need that solution to the decade-old problem of exposing the data and allowing the data to be shared and accessed by different applications. Many tried and many failed in the past, but this time it's coming almost like a perfect alignment Multiple industry participants are coming together, oil and gas companies that otherwise fiercely compete with each other. They are coming together to derive creation of the data platform, open source data platform that allows them easy access to that data. So it's no one individually trying to impose what the industry needs. It's key oil and gas companies defining what they need. And then technology companies are coming in to help and, again, embracing this collaborative open source spirit to create technological solutions that those companies would then use. And, again, we otherwise fiercely compete with each other, Google, Microsoft, Amazon. We do try to increase our market share, but in this initiative, we work together because we know that at the end of the day, we have the data platform that delivers real value to the industry and that those industry clients would be buying from, from us. So it's kind of a phenomenal win-win setting that hats off Johan and many of his collaborators were able to pull together. This is unique and great. I remember hearing stories a couple of years ago of Johan going around and pitching this to companies. But I want to, so I want to pause on on that what we, what you were just saying because just in case some of our listeners feel like 
they've just been like slipped through a wormhole into an alternate dimension where oil companies are collaborating and big tech companies are collaborating. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I mean, and Johan, I know when you started this, I know people today in the oil and gas industry, they comment about how, you know, everybody's more open to helping each other and collaborating now. It certainly hasn't been that case historically. So what do you attribute that to? I mean, we're, and you said that when you went around and talked to people about this, they immediately, you had 10 companies interested and that was two years ago. I mean, what changed that all of a sudden all these people are so happy to kind of work together when before they used to, I mean, I have a geologist friend who graduated college in the seventies. And when he got his first job, they told him to close the blinds on his office window when he was looking at maps on his desk, because somebody across the street might have a telescope. So how how did we get from those days to where we are today, where people are actually willing to, to work together and collaborate? It's all about timing. Why is time important here? We all face the move to start supporting AI, a data-driven world. And our whole current infrastructure, as I mentioned, with the silos around here, doesn't support it. So we really have to move from a world of silos and silos to data being together into a single data platform. So when we, when we talked we started talking in the, at March, it was March 2018 with these companies. To be frank, I've spoken since then to maybe 100 operators, whatever. We are all in the same problem area. We all have that data sitting in silos. We all have the data linked with application because we many use the same suppliers out there. So we're all in the same boat. Yeah, and nobody yeah. had an answer to come out of that boat. Nobody said, oh, but I already know what to do. And so we came along with OSDU, with OSDU said, oh, that's what we're going to do. I said, oh, gee, that is what, what we're looking for. But you didn't have an answer. Whether you're a large IOC, smaller IOC, whatever you are, they all have the same problem. And then whether you go speak in the Middle East to operate over there or you speak, you speak in China, whatever you are, they all recognize that problem. So it's all about timing. If we would have tried this four years ago, I always said, I can say it's safe here, you will be shot. Like you said, it would not have worked. It's all about timing. Right, right. Gotcha. So it's sort of like a desperation is the mother of innovation, right? People are at a point where they're forced to, to work together. But let me throw something else, if I may. The timing is absolutely important, but I think it is this need to expose data for the new world in which competitiveness is driven from how you analyze the data the advanced analytics, the machine learning. We historically stored the data in a way that allowed humans to consume it. So it'd be easy, easy to find for a geologist, although in reality, it's not so easy to find. Even right, I was going to say, maybe not so much. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, but that's the idea. Let's, let's assume but, that's true. But there is a paradigm shift. in You have to expose data so machines can find it faster. Not only find, but also consume it. And then the analysis, the results of it needs to be shared across different applications. So you no longer can live within the confines. Well, you cannot no longer have hard to find data and everything being in one application set. There is a need to expose the data and also allow this flow between different, different applications. So for us, this is not, not only addressing data, easy to find the data, but also driving innovation, where you have different players bringing unique solutions that can work in concert with other solutions. And this ecosystem 
that can be built on such an open standard-based data layer brings the innovation and efficiency to the industry that we also believe drives adoption and interest in OSDU. Right, and right. this is critically important and one of the motivations behind IBM's involvement. Yeah. It's beyond the data. It's bringing AI or advanced analytics on top of the data. Right. It's doing new things with the data. Where And I can say that, I mean, we have a lot of people that come on this show who want to talk about, you know, or who are developing new things to do those very things that, you know, they're kind of on the other side of, of this from you. And I always ask them, they always say, we need, you know, there's all these things that we can do with the data, you know, and a lot of times it's not new data, right? It's data that's been out there for a long time. So, so I always ask the question, why now? How come now we're, we're doing these new innovative things with the data? Why didn't, why didn't we do them before? And the answers are always, there's always two parts of the answer. One is always, well, we didn't have the compute capabilities and things like that. And, but the big part is like, ah, like we couldn't, we couldn't harness the data itself. We didn't have any way to access it. We couldn't get our hands around, you know, it was, it wasn't intelligible. It wasn't stored in one place. Right. And so that's, you're, you're providing the foundation for not just doing the same operations the same way, but performing you know, completing those business objectives in completely different ways. Exactly. And on those advanced analytics AI programs that I've been leading, a big chunk, some would even say way more than half of the effort is into getting the data, cleansing the data, preparing the data. And, and, And then, of course, the other part is change management, getting the user adoption. So the actual creating those complex algorithms turns to be the, the third, and many joke, often the easiest part in the overall adoption of advanced analytics sure. in, the, in the real operation set. Right, sure, right. It's like it's like painting your house, right? When you finally get to the part where you're actually painting, it's easy. <laughs> that part's easy, right? It's like, oh, I'm finally, all I'm doing now is painting. It's all that stuff leading up to it that is yeah, the, good the preparation. That's, that's very good. So I'm watching time here because there's so many things we could talk about. I want to zero in on a couple things. One is we did mention the ecosystem a couple times, and I know that I have heard Heard. Johan, I've heard you talk about in the past, I think one of the things that we didn't really mention yet, but that enabled or encouraged people to collaborate on this thing is this idea that you were preaching, which was, look, we need to come to grips with the fact that not everything we have is competitive and we need to understand where do we really compete and on the rest of it, let's level the playing field so we help each other. And I've heard you say that, you know, the applications on top, it's the services that we're competing on, not on the data itself. So, and that's where the ecosystem comes in, where you've got different players who are all creating things. Is that, I mean, am I, am I understanding that right? And what does this ecosystem look like? How does, how does this ecosystem work? So we do, we do compete on the data. We do not compete on how you store the data. Ah, okay, right. Very good. Yes, yes. Yes, that is, that's important, right. And what's important is also that, we, that we're creating a platform. And platform is that, that API layer. Because you really want to make sure that people, small companies, large companies, develop an application and that now can be used by multiple parties out there. You don't develop as in the past applications for one company, you don't develop it for everybody whoever is running the platform out there. You create yourself that ecosystem, you start helping out. And especially in that ecosystem, I have put a lot of focus on also at is the startup companies, the small companies, because we need far more innovation in this space. But therefore, and then you say, what is the ecosystem? Well, the ecosystem is about 170 companies out there, about 60, 60 to 70 operators, and the rest are companies. The companies are 
large companies, small companies, integrators, software companies, AI companies, uh, data companies. And in this, we talked about the cloud, the cloud providers out there. It's a whole a whole mixture of even the governments are in there, universities are right, there. Right. So it's a whole mixture of of companies out there. And what also important we didn't talk about, I think it's important to realize is but it also helped the ecosystem. We started, as we said before, in, in a subservice development of wealth space. We are now growing next year to production. That means we're going to add production data into the same environment. That means we're going to, we can create an integrated upstream business where we bring all the upstream data into a single data platform. In addition, for next year, we're going to grow to support for wind farms, solar farms, hydrogen, TCUS. Uh, geothermal. So we really what we're creating, and OSU becomes really an, an open energy data platform. Again, that helps the, the ecosystem because now the ecosystem gets a broader spectrum out there. It's not just only for oil and gas; it's also for other data sources. So there's because many of these companies have an energy practice and don't always differentiate between an oil and gas energy practice and other one. And it comes those will come close together. So we're really moving. From a subservice of wealth space, which is important, we are there today, fully very proud of that, to an, an open energy data platform, with which is open source, with a clear API layer and good real-time support. That was the next thing that actually that was on my mind, which is is you know, when we think about subsurface data, most of us, I think, we think about the early stages of the EMP life cycle, right? But, you know, we have people out there in the industry now who are saying, and I'm, I'm not sure I believe this, but there's people that are saying, hey, look, we have all the proven reserves that we're going to need, you know, for quite a while, maybe ever. So we really need to like not, we need to focus our attention in terms of our innovation and our development on the later stages of the life cycle, like asset development and operations, and even getting into some of the midstream and downstream areas. So it sort of raises the question like, is OSDU like a really great idea that kind of unfortunately had bad luck with its timing in sort of the macroeconomic aspect of the industry, because is it still important, right? Is it still something that people need to focus on? But you mentioned driving it more toward an energy data universe, which of course tracks with the idea that a lot of companies like Shell are embracing the idea that we need to become an integrated energy company as opposed to just a pure hydrocarbon. So, so that's an interesting direction for it to go. And I think, you know, what you're talking about with the ecosystem, if you do an ecosystem right, if you do it, you know, the right way, which isn't always the case, then presumably that accelerates the amount of development and things that can be brought to the market to drive value more quickly, right? And that's because the other thing that comes into my mind when I when I think about this is somebody might be sitting out there thinking, okay, but this all sounds like it's very far away and I need to solve problems in my business today. So how do you how do you see it keeping pace with what the industry really needs to be able to deliver? Oh, you can clear. We're going to deliver our Development, the first development release comes out next week. First period development release. Production release comes out, is planned to come out in March next year. And that is something that I give account managers and say, hey, install that environment into my production environment. You can start using that as a start of your production environment on, on OZU. And of course, you start it in an exploit development space. So it's not, and, and let's be clear, you want to get prepared for today because. The biggest thing, the biggest hurdle people have to take 
which we didn't talk about, is preparing your data. Because yeah. what you're talking about is stored all over the place. You mentioned a moment ago. It's stored all over the place. Now we have to pick up the data and bring that data into an OSU data platform. So there's all the work to be done just to pick up your data get across into OSU because OSU becomes your system of record. That's what you're going to keep that data. It's not a data warehouse. It's a system of record. That's where you keep the data where you use the data. Right, right. And Michael, as, as Johanna was saying, we are really moving at at a speed. We really are not no longer calling it OSDU. We are calling it OEDU, Open Energy Data Universe, which is really this broader platform. And being able to deliver that in March is critical because, indeed, it cannot stay silo data space. It needs to expand for enterprise to realize economic value. And this collaboration, this ecosystem dynamic, doing things in an open source way creates like tremendous amount of energy and the speed of creating technology, creating software code that companies can deploy tomorrow. It's really an unprecedented way. So that speed is important, expanding is important. But I also wanted to comment on how technology companies are able to do that because Johan explained how operators can collaborate, keeping their competitive, unique differentiators intact, which is really lies in how the data is interpreted and what data they have, rather than having common technology platforms that allow them to access the data. Similarly, with technology companies, we believe that exposing such a data layer is in common goods for all of us, because then unique differentiators can be more visibly seen when having the data layer aspect being overcome. And this goes on to those advanced analytics aspects that I was mentioning, but also on certain certain basic elements, like in case of IBM's open source Kubernetes layers that we provide that allows companies to deploy the same OSDU instance on IBM Cloud, on Microsoft Cloud, on Yandex, on Alibaba, on Group 42, or on their local on-prem. And that local on-prem is particularly important because it allows them to move the data to the cloud at the pace they want, at the pace that is economically justified. And also they can use the same OSDU in the data platform whether they use it for their corporate data or for data that needs to be stored in in country, where, of course, there's data sovereignty prevents it from being moved to public cloud somewhere else. So this unique aspect can shine. As before, we would have to create a data platform at significant cost. Now it's common for everyone. So so I think it's, a, as we talked at the beginning, it's, it's a win-win for both operators and technology companies. Right, yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it really is a new world that we're living in, in terms of our ability to develop things and get from idea to prototype to actual use in the real world is so much faster than it was even even just a few years ago. And the ability to, if I have a, a particularly, what I think is a particularly brilliant innovation, which I don't, but if I did, and I really wanted, like you said, I wanted those differentiators, like I had this really good idea, I'm doing this like nobody else is doing this, and it can bring value to my clients. 
I don't want that to be hidden behind the fact that I can't solve the data problem, right? <laughs> like, and that's what happens, right? To a lot of these innovators, you know, the big ones and the small. So I think that part is brilliant. I know we are getting, we're kind of getting up against it in terms of time. Let's just talk about real quickly. All right. And Johan, I remember in the beginning of the OSDU cycle of, you know, you were going around trying to get people involved. You did that. You got a lot of people involved. I think now we're beyond just getting involved and, you know, people probably want to know how do I, okay, like I'm sold. This is what we should do. So how do I, how, how do people actually get, and you gave a little bit of an explanation about this earlier. You call up your, your AWS or your your IBM or whatever, whoever your cloud provider is, you call up and you say, this is what I want to do. Is that it? Is there anything else that people need to do to get, to get participating in this? So if people really want to go use it, make, make one use of it, I strongly advise to speak in this case to IBM uh, because IBM can help prepare for it. As I said before, things don't happen overnight. You need to get some of your data sorted out, and you can start with that. Think about it today. And development environments, as I mentioned, are becoming available, and also IBM will, will have these available. So if you really want to, if you, if you focus at the output, at deliverables, then that's what you do. If you say, I want to join the team, of course, you can come to the openbook.org website. And then go to OTO forum and subscribe yourself over there. But if you say, I'm, I'm interested in output, what can I do with it? In this case, go to, go to the IBM account team and they will lead you with your IBM. Excellent. Okay, good. Indeed. And let me just echo that from technology provider point of view, from IBM point of view, any operator that is interested in testing, assessing this data platform reach out to your IBM representative or go to the IBM website that, Michael, you're putting in the link of this yep, web we'll podcast. put all that in it, yep. And, yep. and we can deploy this data platform wherever you want. On IBM Cloud, which is the fastest for us, but we can deploy it on any other cloud or we can deploy on the client's on-prem hardware and the clients can start using it, testing it, playing with it immediately. So that's the brilliancy of not starting with the standards, but jumping to developing the code that can be used right away. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Thank you. So yes, we will put links to all of that stuff in the show notes as most of our regular listeners know to look there. I know both of you guys have busy schedules. So if you need, if either one of you needs to drop off, I'm just going to wrap up with a few more things I need to say for the show. But thank you both, Johan Krebers, Darius, Piotrowski, right? Did I get it? Yes. You did. I did. Thank you both for being on the show. Really appreciate you guys making time. Johan, I know it's getting late in the evening for you. So I got a few more things to comment on, but thank you guys. Thank you. It has been a pleasure to be on your show. Very good. Thanks. Also want to give uh, another thanks to our sponsor, Cognite. They are doing some things with industrial data. So a little bit different field from what we've been talking about here, but industrial data and adding context and making it intuitive and, and making it so people and machines can all use it together. It's cool stuff. Have a look at them. And also want to mention the, the OGGN street team is, is out there. I think they're on the virtual streets right now. They're not on the real streets, but they're getting people excited. If it's a great way to get involved in OGGN in the industry. Warren Spiewak is leading that and doing a fantastic job. There is a LinkedIn group that you can join, which will be in the show notes. Also connect with the oil and gas global network, OGGN. There's a new 
OGGN.com website that's just recently been launched. And it was put together by our friends at Midnight Marketing who did a spectacular job. I didn't think that I could ever look that good on a webpage. And we also have a LinkedIn group that you can join. And I'm just going to give leave this one final thought that I've been floating the last couple of episodes. And that is, you know, remember when your friends are making those jokes about how the oil and gas people are a little bit slow to adopt new technology, just give them that little history lesson about how this industry has been applying scientific knowledge for practical purposes for something like over a hundred years. So in other words, we were tech before tech was cool. And here are the events on deck. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for October, 2020. We've got about five events this month, three of which are online, one of which is in person, and one of which is both. First up, we have the Houston Energy Breakfast Virtual Conference on the 6th, which is about embracing the evolving market landscape, and that'll be online. Second, we have Adipec 2020, which is an interactive online event going on from the 9th to the 12th. Third, we have OGGN and API Houston Chapter Presents, the opening of the Deep Cavango Basin, which will be live streamed directly to LinkedIn and other platforms from the event in downtown Houston on the 10th. Fourth, we have the Energy API Three Gun Challenge on the 13th, which is in person at the Ranch Shooting Club in Eagle Lake, Texas. Last, we have the Downstream Leadership Forum, which will be our last event of the month from the 19th to the 20th, and that'll be online. Other than these events, I believe OGGN will be hosting some live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. That's all for November. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.